us with your presence new. Let us as one mighty choir sing our hymn of praise to you. Burn away our wasted sadness and inflame us with your love. Burst upon your congregation heedless gladness from above. Holy Spirit, bring your message, burn and breathe each word anew. Deep into our tired living till we strive your work to do. Teach us love and trusting kindness. Lend our hands to those who hurt. Breathe upon your congregation and inspire us with your word. Well, welcome everybody to Milwaukee Mennonite Church and to worship today. It's a beautiful February Sunday uh, here in Milwaukee. My name's Rachel and I'm going to be your worship leader for today. Um, worship planning was today was a collaboration between me and Connie Johnson Evers. And we're really happy to welcome Allison Casella Brookins back to give us the message today. You're gonna wanna have your voices together nearby. Um, not every word is to the songs is on the screen, but you're also welcome to just sort of enjoy the music. And I've had, I have some artwork that will be play, that will be up during the songs as well. I'm really glad you're here with us today. And I hope that you can feel God's presence with you wherever you may be. I always have a little bit of a hard time transitioning at the beginning of worship, especially when I'm worshiping here in my house. Um, so I'm gonna ask us to start by taking a few centering breaths as we stop our individual lives for a moment and come together in the collective to worship. So you can close your eyes if you like during these breaths. Take a moment to just feel whatever it is that's supporting your body right now. Let your feet touch the ground and maybe let your hands open. Take a deep breath in and out. Take another breath in and out. And one more deep breath in and out. Know with each breath that you take that God is here with us. In every breath we take, God is here. What a privilege it is to worship together. Welcome siblings in Christ. And now for our opening prayer, please pray with me. You who open doors and dismantle barriers, open our hearts to praise you, that we might live the full truth of who we are, that we might live as neighbors and friends, no longer strangers and enemies. Open our hearts to the transforming power of your love that we might forgive and reconcile, making peace and learning war no more that we might be your people, one body in one spirit, to tell your grace to all the world. We pray in the name of the one who walked among us as brother and friend. Amen. Now let me share my screen for the Isaiah um, scripture reading. 
Oops, sorry, I forgot. There's a song first. It's a song first. <laughs> Voices Together 128, Many and Great. Many and great, of all thy things, maker of earth and sky. Thy hands have set the heavens with stars, thy fingers spread the mountains and plains. Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. With two, they covered their faces, and with two, they covered their faces, and with two, they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the thresholds shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me! I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me.
And now a time of confession and reconciling. Please pray with me. Friends in Christ, God knows our needs before we ask and in our asking prepares us to receive the gift of grace. We open our lives to God's healing presence, seeking peace with God and reconciliation with our neighbors. We are mindful not only of personal evil, but also of our communal sins of family, class, race, and nation. We confess to God whatever has wounded us or brought injury to others, that we may receive mercy and become for each other ministers of God's grace. For all these things we have confessed, now hear the good news. Who is in a position to condemn? Only Christ. And Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. The old life has gone. A new life has begun. Know that you are forgiven and be at peace. Amen. Our next song is in Voices Together 283. Um, and it's going to be sung in Spanish. Uh, that was the, the language that this was written in. And I found a really lovely version sung by a sister for the Aspirantado y Casa de Espiritualidad, Maria Marzarello in Colombia. So the English words are going to be on the screen for you, um, but, the, but it's going to be sung in Spanish. Yeah. 
among us? There we I hear one. I see a baby. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I'm going to talk a little bit about that, um, the story that the song was about. Um, and then we're going to hear another song and watch a video. Um, so the story that Allison is going to talk about from the book of Luke takes place in this at the Sea of Galilee. Jesus decided to climb into Simon's boat and do his teaching from there. People have been gathering around Jesus ready to hear what new stories he would tell and what new message he would bring. And they were so eager to hear him and see what miracles he would do that they were crowding him and each other. So the boat was a safe place for him to speak and teach. And after Jesus finished speaking, he told Simon to put the boat out into deeper water and let down the nets to catch some fish. Now we might be more used to thinking about catching a fish with a fishing pole, a rod and line and throwing it out <clears throat> into the water kind of like that and then reeling reeling it in um, but these fishermen were using big nets to catch the fish um, let me find my spot um, so Jesus told Peter to um, take the boat into deep water and, and let down their nets. And Simon said, but master, we worked hard all night and didn't catch anything. Um, but he still agreed to do what Jesus said. Um, Simon had learned by this time to listen to Jesus. Jesus had performed some miracles already. And he had even healed Simon's mother-in-law from a fever. So Peter took the boat out into deeper waters and let down the nets. And I'm sure he was wondering what the point of this exercise was after he'd already done it so many times during the night and not caught anything. But this time, when they pulled up the net, they had a huge catch of fish. They could hardly pull it into the boat without tipping the boat. 
and they could hardly get all the fish into the boat. And Peter was so amazed and awestruck. And he was scared. He was scared of the Lord. And he said, of Jesus, he said, I'm a sinful man. I need to get away from you. So I wonder how we would have felt after a big miracle like that. And I wonder why Peter was so afraid. Um, and what did he feel? Why did he want to think he needed to get away from Jesus? Peter knew the lake because he'd, he'd lived probably all his life near the lake and went in boats all his life. He probably could tell when a storm was coming and he knew where the lake was the deepest or the most shallow. He probably knew about all the different currents on the lake and all the different kinds of fish in the lake. He knew about catching fish, but here was Jesus uh, who grew up um, as a carpenter. He didn't, he didn't fish for a living and he was somehow responsible for this huge catch of fish, catch of fish and probably, um, a catch like they'd never seen before. I think Peter realized Jesus had this, that Jesus had this great connection with God. Only God controlled the sea and the wind and the creatures. And then Jesus said something really interesting. Another interesting thing I should say, Jesus said to Simon, who was later called Peter, from now on, you will fish for people. Uh, as I was looking for music this week that would go with the, the Bible passages, I saw the song in our hymnal called Draw the Circle Wide. And I thought, and it, well, I thought it, um, the, the idea of drawing a circle wide reminded me of throwing a net wide to catch the fish. So um, I wanted to share this video. Um, the idea is that um, we want to include as many people as we can in um, to be part of our church, to share the Christian story, the, the stories of Jesus and, um, and the kind of life Jesus wants for us um, with anyone, no matter what. Um, so um, I am hoping Stevers can start this video. Um, for us and the kids can watch for a time when the um, um, so a couple of things the kids are doing to participate in this singing it's a choir of adults singing but there's some videos with children and then there is um, a woman doing sign language to the words of the song so um, so watch for that too okay Circle, draw the circle wide, draw the circle wide. 
So I hope you enjoyed that video. I really liked it. Um, and did you notice when the kids were running in a circle holding hands? I wonder how they could have made that circle bigger. Do you have any ideas? Can you say that louder, Lyle? More people make add more people add more people yeah so they open up the circle and join hands with someone else or other people yeah thanks all right well thanks for listening to children's time i'll turn it back to rachel Adlai and I will be reading from Psalm 138. We're reading a slightly different version. I hope that's all right. We, this is the one we practiced. Thank you. Everything in me says. Thank you. Angels listen as I sing my thanks. I kneel and worship facing your holy temple and say it again. Thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness. Most holy is your name, most holy is your word. The moment I called out, you stepped in. You made my life large with strength. When they hear what you have to say, God, all the earth's rulers will say, Thanks. They'll sing of what you've done. How great the glory of God. And here is why. God, high above, sees far below, no matter the distance, God knows everything about us. 
When I walk into the thick of trouble, keep me alive in the angry turmoil. With one hand, strike my foes. With your other hand, save me. Finish what you started in me, God. Your love is eternal. Don't quit on me now. Thanks. Hear now the gospel reading from Luke 5, verses 1 through 11. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing yet. If you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus's knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. Thank you for those wonderful scripture readings. Let me set the scene for you. I'm sitting in a dim conference room. It's a brand new, very shiny room. Tiers of curved tables are wrapped around the speaker. Outside in the main hall, the ceiling stretches four stories high above the full grown live trees whose roots stretch down through the floor. The occasional waterfall beats a steady rhythm. Does anybody know where I am? I know there's some UW Madison people here. I'm in the Institute for Discovery in Madison on the UW campus a building that stands as a monument to the scientific spirit. spirit. At the UW-Madison, where I'm finishing my last semester, you are constantly asked, what value are you going to bring to the world? What are you going to contribute? The plastic chair I'm sitting in has wheels and it rocks back and forth a little, the pinnacle of scientific achievement, perfect for my anxious body. In the flickering light of the presentation, I feel sleepy and numb and mad at myself. It's 2014 and I'm 25. 
at this Earth Day conference, the UW Sustainability Initiative is presenting. They've made small tweaks in the types of light bulbs and heating timers and waste management, and they've multiplied it across miles of campus buildings, added up to measurable gains in sustainability, tons of carbon, cubic yards of coal, numbers and graphs flash across the screen, quantifiable value contributed to the world. And all I can think is, I, I should have been a scientist. That's where the real work is. That's how you objectively quantify the value you bring to the world. I'm useless. I don't know how to do anything real. I'm almost graduated, finally, and all I do is write stuff. I am wasting my life. I walk out the door, skipping out on the final hours of this day-long conference. I sit under one of the indoor trees, waterfall plopping merrily behind me, and check my flip phone. I have a missed call and a voicemail. It's from the admissions officer at Anabaptist Mennonite Biblical Seminary, telling me that my application to seminary has been accepted with a hefty scholarship. There I was all caught up in what those around me were doing, what I was told was valuable, caught up in my own head telling me I wasn't doing the right things. And I was pulled out of that you're not worth anything funk by a literal call saying, nope, there's a lot you can do. Your skills are over in this direction, so head this way. It's not that research-based sustainability initiatives are bad, they're great, and I am so glad that there are people working on that sort of thing, but it's entirely the wrong thing for me. I got that scholarship because people saw that seminary was indeed where I should be, and they called me there. This is my literal call story. The disciples in the gospel today are also called very clearly. Jesus appears in the flesh, showers them in fish, calls them to follow him, and they do. They're told what to do, they know how to do it, and they do it. I'm curious, when I say calling, what do you think? And I want to hear you, so if you have access to the chat, write your thoughts in the chat and I'll read them all out. Just a few words. Or if you can't access the chat, you can just unmute and speak. What do you think of when you hear the word calling? A deep knowledge of what is right. Vocation, life purpose. Was that uh, Walden who said that? Your life's work, divine direction. No pressure. What makes you most satisfied? All right. Anyone need to just speak instead of using the chat? Thank you all. All right. So I think we got some sense of this. A call, uh, calling is something that we are pushed or pulled to. For some people, a calling is lodged in the body, an insistent yearning that you feel. It's like a, a magnet in the chest, physically drawing us towards something that um, we might not necessarily want to do, but feel like we need to do. The writer, teacher, Parker Palmer, talks about a calling as something I can't not do, 
for reasons I'm unable to explain to anyone else and don't fully understand myself, but are nonetheless compelling. A calling also implies a caller, something bigger than ourselves calling us toward something. The caller makes contact with our heart and our mind and calls us to a vocation. We heard that word in the chat. Now, I have to add a rather substantial digression here, so I hope that you'll come with me. Um, because there's a big problem when we mix up attending to a calling with uh, following our passion or this Pinteresty, do what you love, love what you do uh, idea that like art that you put on the walls on like barn wood. Many of us folks on the younger end of the spectrum and maybe more of us too, I don't wanna make any assumptions, but I at least grew up with the message that we should follow our passion. Do what you'll love and you'll never work a day in your life. This quote is uh, the internet attributes alternately to Confucius, Mark Twain, or most credibly, Steve Jobs. And this idea opens workers to exploitation. If your passion, I'm sorry, my dog just snored really loud right in the middle of that sentence. I don't know if you heard it or not. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, this opens workers to exploitation because if you're passionate about your job, then you won't mind working more for less pay. After all, you love it, right? You won't mind checking email from your bed first thing in the morning. You won't mind checking Slack from the bathroom. And you'll put up with unpaid internships and adjunct teaching positions. And you'll buy school supplies for your classroom out of your own paycheck. After all, this is what you were born to do, right? I read some articles by Mia Tokumitsu, um, Nonprofit Work 101. Uh-huh, yep, you, you love it, and so you'll, you'll keep doing it. Uh, Mia Tokumitsu has some really interesting writings, and I'll, I'll post a link later to uh, the one of the essays that I wrote. She has a book called Do What You Love and Other Lies About Success and Happiness. And she writes, nothing makes exploitation go down easier than convincing workers that they are doing what they love. She says that do what you love, especially as Steve Jobs uh, uh, lauds it, it erases work by calling it passion. And it may be the most elegant anti-worker ideology around. After all, why should workers assemble and assert their class interests if there's no such thing as work? And then to take this even further, we tend to judge people who are doing jobs that we deem unlovable the necessary but profoundly unsexy waste management technicians and night shift janitors. They must not have had the stamina or the brains to pursue their passion. They must be miserable, passionless zombie sellouts because how could they possibly take satisfaction in their job if that's not a calling? This judgment also exploits workers. So employment is not always, maybe even rarely, connected to calling. Work is work. Work that you're passionate about, that you love, is still work. And sometimes we do work regardless of passion. And that is okay. All right, coming back to our discussion of calling. Something the caller pushes or pulls us toward. Once I got to seminary, we, we talked a lot about the difference between an inner and an outer call. And it's kind of like a belly button, everyone has one, but are you an innie or an outie? An inner call is an internal felt sense, so it's something personal. 
in an outer call is external, coming from someone or something around you in the world. That call story that I shared is a solid outer call. And my inner monologue, in fact, was directly contradicting what other people were telling me that they saw in me. And I was frustrated because I wasn't even sure I had ever felt that personal emotional depth of call that some of my seminary peers seemed to, the ones who like knew that they were gonna go to seminary their entire lives. Sometimes I felt like I was at seminary by accident or because other people told me that I should go. I resented those people who seemed so in touch with the cosmos that they had some kind of internal call compass. I thought they were making it up and I found them annoying. And of course, because I'm me, I started agonizing that my outer call was not a legitimate or real call. I'm sure none of you have ever experienced this. Some readers make a really big deal in the, of the readers of the gospel text uh, over the fact that the fishermen know nothing about Jesus, that they drop everything and follow him in this sudden miraculous obedience. But Jesus is sitting in the boat for hours next to the fishermen while he teaches the crowds. They listen to him for hours painting a picture about how the world will be turned upside down, of a life where all will have enough, where all are fed in body and spirit, where there is justice and closeness with God. And then he calls forth this huge abundance of fish, so much food, a wealth that swamps the boats. Fishermen, to this day, are people who throw nets into the sea on blind faith that they will catch something they cannot see. They are practiced in trusting what they don't fully understand and committing to their choices. They are practiced in calling out to God, in asking for God's provision and presence. So the fishermen see something in the story Jesus tells, in the abundance that he provides, and it brings them alive. It shows them something that they want desperately, and they just go for it. They drop their nets, casting their luck upon Jesus, and they go. There is no one way to be called. It might be dramatic, but it probably won't be. It might be super clear, but it usually will be murky. It might be a vocation, might lead to a vocation that pays you, but it's not that likely. And you won't be called one time in your whole life in one big way to one thing. Calling can come at any moment and every moment. Unlike a belly button, you're not limited to being an innie or an outie. The inner and outer call will weave together with the voices of others suggesting and affirming and reaffirming what you're hearing from God and from your own heart. And you will receive challenges from inner voices and outer voices that make you question and tweak and sharpen your call. There's no right way to receive a call. The important thing is being available to what is going on in the world, in our relationships with God, in our own lives and hearts, in our relationships with other people, with non-human animals, with non-animal living things in the world, and noticing and being attentive so that we can respond when we do hear a call. 
There's a quote attributed to Howard Thurman. Don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and then go do that. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. The world needs people, people who have come alive. What makes you come alive? I like thinking about calling in these terms. It's a way of orienting our lives and staying attentive to the sparks of energy and joy. Noticing the moments of deepest aliveness in our bodies and our minds and our communities. Following brightness and depth of life as a way of hearing and tending our calling from God. So what makes you want to be alive? How can you shape your life to find more of those moments? How can you share those moments with others? Let's take a minute and answer that question in the chat or you can speak it aloud if you can't access the chat. What makes you come alive? For me, it's um, writing and going through editing process and writing groups and finally like finishing, finishing something and then it can go out into the world. That's what makes me come alive. What makes you come alive? Stories, teaching, prayer, anti-racism education, hallelujah. Making music, drumming, dancing. I, I editorialized. Teaching brand new medical students, singing and writing, singing together. So my prayer for all of us today and moving forward is not that we find our passion, not that we figure out our calling, I pray that we can learn to attend to the energies of our bodies and our communities, learning to notice and trust those moments so saturated with life. In the words of the psalmist, I pray that God will increase our strength of soul. In the translation that was read, I think it was, uh, may God make our life strong with faith. I think that was that, was that accurate? So yeah, may, may God make our life strong to seek out, create and share that depth of life with those around us. Amen and amen. Thank you so much, Allison. Um, yeah, thank you. Connie and I wanted to start our time of reflection with a song um, and I searched through a lot of versions of Take My Life and Let It Be, and a lot of them just felt to me too put together um, for what I was going for. So I found this recording, which is of a family reunion, and there are about 30 people standing in a big room around a piano, and I just found it perfect. Um, definitely not note perfect, but feeling perfect. And 
it reminded me of singing with Milwaukee Mennonite. So as you listen or sing, um, and it's Voices Together 760, imagine yourself surrounded by your family, your chosen family, your birth family, your friend family, your church family. Listening, God, you hear our prayers before we speak, yet welcome our praying. Therefore, we come with confidence to lay our requests before you. 
We pray for Christians everywhere, for our denomination and our congregation, for strength to persevere in faithfulness. God of grace, hear our prayer. We pray for the nations of the world, for all leaders, and for those who make decisions that affect the lives of others. We pray for the well-being of our global community. God of grace, hear our prayer. We pray for the earth and all living creatures, for regions and species at risk, and for the sharing of resources. God of grace, hear our prayer. We pray for those who are suffering, who are ill or alone or in need. We pray for those who suffer violence, injustice, and oppression. We pray for all who need healing and peace. God of grace, hear our prayer. We rejoice with those who are rejoicing, sing with those who are singing, and work to bring all of humanity to a place of increased unity. God of grace, hear our prayer. Oh God, we know that you have heard the prayers of your people. May your love, which overcomes all differences, which heals all wounds, which puts to flight all fears, which reconciles all who are separated, be in us and among us now and always. Amen. And now hear this sending before our final song, and then we'll have announcements after that. So hear this sending. Live without fear. Your creator has made you holy, has always protected you, and loves you as a mother. Go in peace to follow the good road, and may God's blessing be with you always. Amen. We will walk with God, my brothers, we will walk with God. We will walk with God, my sisters, we will walk with God. We will go rejoicing till the kingdom has come. We will go rejoicing till the kingdom has come. Walk with God, my brothers, we will walk with God. We will walk with God, my sisters, we will walk with God. We will go rejoicing till the kingdom has come. We will go rejoicing till the kingdom has come. We will walk with God, my brothers, we will walk Sisters, we will walk with God. We will go rejoicing till the kingdom has come.